Warning, this show contains spoilers. Welcome to Spoilers! We're celebrating the very best and the very worst of cinema. I'm Sasha. I'm Tristan. Hello! Hello. Tristan! <laughs> yes? How are you? I'm splendid. splendid. Now, uh, listeners of this podcast, are we going to do the whole thing in this one? I wish we could, but it would be, it would be too much uh, too much testosterone required, and I don't have that, I, despite my appearance, I don't have that much testosterone in my body. For those of, the, for those of you who don't know what Sasha looks like, it is fiercely masculine. <laughs> it's scary. He's basically the same as two separate gorillas. Um... So, uh, hello everyone, welcome back to Spoilers. Uh, apologies for a little bit of an absence, um, it's just been busy. Go, look, if you've got a problem with that, go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Frankly. Yeah. Um, you put a podcast together, it gets, yeah. it gets time consuming. Uh, organising schedules. Uh, it's too much. It's too much. So what we've done is we've, we've thrown together a, uh, a special this week. Yes. And you... I mean, we, I mean we've done Christmas... We did Godfather special. The Godfather and Christmas. We did uh, um, uh, Oscars and the Razzies. Yes. Um, we've still got to do the special where we review our Christmas present. Our Christmas present, yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what I'm saying is people will have seen a theme there, so it will come as no surprise what our <laughs> subject is today for our special. What is today's subject, Sasha? It is, of course, the movies of the great Sir Sean Connery. Sir Sean Connery, actor, Scotsman. <laughs> <laughs> Please take a moment to pause this podcast, stand and salute. To play, what is the Scottish national anthem? Um, die English oh, bastards. If I could walk five hundred thousand, <laughs> I could walk five hundred more. That's it. If I could walk five hundred, of course I could. Shame. <laughs> I'm, I'm Sean Connery <laughs> in my kilt. Have you uh, have you ever heard Sean Connery's version of um, "In My Life" by the Beatles? I have. He's <laughs> mind-boggling. Uh, he doesn't sing. He literally recites it like a piece of poetry. There are places I remember <laughs> all my life that might have been. It is quite remarkable. So we were deciding about what... Uh, what... By the way, I'll just highlight now, that wasn't like a little thing Sean Connery did on his own. There is a whole album oh, produced yeah. by George Martin it's of covers of Beatles songs. By famous actors. Like Goldie Horn does a kind of bluesy version of Hard Day's Night. Uh, Jim Carrey does I Am The Walrus. Yeah, um, I think Robin Williams did uh, Come Together. Yes, he did. I uh, don't know any others, but yes, that's how I George came Martin across. did it, didn't he? Like the, yeah, the he, produ- he produced it, yeah. I mean, and, what uh... a terrible, terrible idea for a project. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um... I mean, I think once the Beatles were gone, he was like, "What do I do now? <laughs> I'm screwed. I'm <laughs> Guys, you're killing a cash cow. <laughs> we're leaving, George. We're not happy with this. <laughs> if I ever sit in another room with Linda McCartney, I'm going to go mad. <laughs> was that your Yoko Ono impression? That was my. <laughs> that was Yoko Ono. Don't make me do a Yoko. <laughs> So, so yeah, so we're doing Sir Sean because he is, I mean, he's, he's one of my favourite movie stars. He is, I think he's a true movie star. Yes, um, he's, he's part of the, it's, there's a handful of people like him, Clint Eastwood, Michael Caine, yes. when they die, then like old classic Hollywood has truly yeah, yeah, gone. He feels like, uh, I mean, how old is he now? So according to IMDb, he was born in 1930. Which would make him... 86 86. 86 and not a day long. <laughs> I know, I only look 20. 
as much hair on my head as when I was 20. <laughs> I was as bald as a cue ball at 10. He was very, very bald. Very he was early. bald very early. Yeah, James Bond, even the first one, he wears a wig. So you, see him, you see him always like putting a hand for his hair. Yeah, like, to prove... Vain? No, it's just to keep the wig in <laughs> To nail it down. So I think we were deciding what films to do. Um, now, obviously, I think we both decided not to do a James... Oh, we did the James Bond special already. Yes. We both decided not to do James Don't Bond. Don't do another one. Because there's, they've been done and like, yeah. they're, you know, that's, that's too obvious. And we wanted to do something a little... There are the obvious classics, such as The Untouchables and, of course... Dragonheart. Dragon Draco. Uh, the fantastic uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. And, and that's a genuinely good that's film. That's a genuinely yes. good He's done some crackers on here, so like looking. Well, we had a look at his uh, his list of films, and he's done some odd ones. So, like, you've got. Um, he really struggled after James Bond to yes. find work and um, to, to, to not. Because he was typecast as James Bond. Yes. So we've got, as as uh, we had Luke on the show, he told us about that with Zardoz. Exactly. I'm so, waiting for Zardoz, I the mean, musical Luke. We would have done. <laughs> I think we would have done Zardoz as the worst film had we not already done yeah, it. But I'm absolutely. pretty pleased with this week's choice of bad film. I, th- I think so. I think, I, I think uh, you'll be pleased. I, I think you'll like it. Uh, so, what have we got? We've got. Um, Outland, strange sort of sci-fi, high noon, but high noon, high noon in, in space. space. In space! <laughs> Sean in space. <laughs> in space, no one can hear you scream. <laughs> uh, Time Bandits? Well, apparently that, they wrote the script and they wrote in it, um, you know, the, the Greek warrior or whatever he is, pulls off his helmet to reveal someone like Sean Connery. And, it, <laughs> and they, they, couldn't, they didn't think they'd get him and somehow Connery heard about this and was so tickled, he was like, yeah, I'll do it. He's great. So, he's great. It was a brilliant, brilliant film. Time bad. It's great. Uh, we've got in the na- uh, the name of the rose, the untouchables. You said yes. Highlander. Mm. Uh, <laughs> interesting classic. Hunt for October. Medicine Man is an mm. odd one. Uh, First Night. Of course, I think many people would be saying, "Why aren't we doing the Rock?" We're not doing the Rock. We're not. We're sadly. not doing the Rock. Um, neither are we doing as our worst choice of film, The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, <laughs> which is really. I've never actually seen it, oh, but it's, I quite liked I mean, it, because I enjoyed the comics. It's just crap. No, I mean, the thing is, I mean, so if you've not read uh, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen comics, the first two are brilliant, fun, but very clever, literate, and literary. It's basically like, it's, it's like um, the Avengers, as in like the, early, you know, the Iron Man and yes, Marvel yeah, Avengers, Marvel characters. but with Victorian um, uh, fictional characters. So like, I think their team consists of the Invisible Man, Captain Nemo, Dr. Um, Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, yes, uh, um, Alan Quartermain, yes. who, who and Mina Harker from Dracula, who was bitten by vampires. Yes. So they've all got their kind of powers and whatnot. Yeah. And they're great. And then as the series goes on, the books become more weird and experimental. Yes, quite psychedelic. Yeah, the them. last couple are mad. <laughs> and they're playing with like literary sort of um, superhero ideas. Yeah. But the film is dreadful. And it's the film that stopped Connery acting. Yeah. Because he just hated he, he it. He quit. <laughs> and understandably, because it's terrible. But we're not doing that as no. this week's... Um, Bad film. Bad film. Should we tell us what this week's good and bad yes. films are? So the good you, film. The good, uh, the, film. Good, the good film is. You told me about this one, and I was really excited about. Yes, it. I heard about it through my dad, and um, then it happened to be on it like one in the morning one day. So I sat down to watch it, uh, and it's from 1973, it I is, think, yes. and it's called The Offense, uh-huh. directed by Sidney Lumet, and it was. Before Thunderball, I'll never say never again. No, 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 it, it, it came... So, we'll go into this when, we'll we, when we talk about it. So that's the good um, choice. And what's the good choice? Bad choice. <laughs> it is, of course, The Avengers. The 1998 <laughs> Avengers adaptation of the seminal 60s TV show. So, shall we start... 
uh, with the offence. Sash, do you want to cue us up? Because you, okay. you know that. So it was it was originally a play, but under a different title. I can't remember what it, it was. It was originally called uh, "The Story of Yours," written by John Hopkins, who was most famous for doing Z Cars, which was kind of um, one of the original TV serials like about police, police and, procedurals, but, but quite gritty police procedurals. So it was kind. Of, it wasn't like the Bill. It was more like. Uh, uh, I suppose like the, it was like a 60s version of Wire or like Tagger yeah like quite sort of you know gritty kind of it stuff was, um, so they a bit of background on this Connery had left uh, James Bond and they'd got in George Lazenby and then um, they didn't want Lazenby anymore he left he was disappointed and they were going to do uh, Diamonds Are Forever and they mm. really wanted Connery they really wanted him and he wasn't keen so they ended up brokering this huge deal. I think like no one had been paid this much. He got over a million dollars. Yes. And he, which I think he donated to Scotland to set up like an arts centre so Scottish artists could stay in Is Scotland. He's Scottish, Sean Connery. I didn't. Uh... <laughs> I believe. I mean, he's a man of many accents, so it's quite hard to pin him down. It really is. Like, as a uh, man, you just don't know where he's uh, from. He's uh, a man of a thousand voices and all of them exactly the same. Why he doesn't do more radio? <laughs> I think he does all the voices. In the shipping forecast. <laughs> South West Wind. Splendid. <laughs> North East. Also splendid. Also splendid. Um, so he, but he also, as part of his deal to do Diamonds Are Forever, he um, got a thing where he was allowed to make Two, any two films of his choice. They had to be quite low budget. They had to be under $2 million, according right. to Wikipedia. Um, and the second one was going to be a version of Macbeth that he was going to star in and direct. Yeah. Um, but the first one was this, The Offence. Um, and bas- the, basically the plot is it's <coughs> set somewhere in a, a very kind of run-down working-class area of uh, Britain, and he's a police officer, and there is a... Someone on the loose, a child serial rapist, mm-hmm. uh, and they're trying to catch the guy. And quite early on, they catch a suspect, and the suspect ends up dying. And um, it, it basically becomes about, through a series of flashbacks, it kind of messes around with time quite a lot. But um, we, we find out what actually happened. Connery is in the room alone with the guy when he gets beaten up. Yeah. And you're, you're seeing what happened and, and the effect of... 20 years of being a police officer have worn his soul quite thin. Yeah. It's a pretty bleak movie. <laughs> it's fucking... I watched it today. Uh, for those of you who can't tell, I'm a little hungover today. I watched it. It's beautiful sunshine outside, and I shut myself away indoors to watch The Offence. It's fucking bleak. It's also very good. It's really good. And I think what's so interesting about it is... So, again, going back to the thing about Sean Connery as a film star, not an actor particularly, because he basically plays... He's basically himself, and we joke about the accent thing, but that's kind of indicative, isn't it? It's yeah. just like, uh, you know, he just turns up and says, Who am I playing today? A Russian submarine captain? Splendid. <laughs> what am I playing today? A 1930s aristocrat? Splendid. <laughs> just whatever. But in this, it's, um, he's playing a guy who's completely at odds with the James Bond persona, which is how most people have known him up to now. This mm-hmm. hard-drinking, very um, hardened police officer. He's been 20 years in the force, and yeah. he's seen... Terrible, terrible things. Yeah. Um, you get all these brief, very brief shots of just images of like a, a woman dead and tied up in a bed or him running down the street. Chasing someone. Or yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, and it's quite arty, the film, in that respect. Like, the way it's mm. shot, it's not just a sort of straight... It's not just a straight narrative film. No. It's sort of, as you said, it plays with time. And it's also sort of got elements of kind of... The bits of the new wave in there of, like, slow motion... Yeah. 
freeze frames and sort of weird shots. That weird soundtrack. And... So the soundtrack is interesting. It was it was made by a Harrison Birtwistle, the, the very famous composer who who made lots of uh, very um, pushed the limit of what music was in the classical sense. So it was often quite atonal, difficult, weird kind of stuff. Yeah. It was his first and only um, score for a film. But I think that's the thing about this film is it feels quite new and exciting you know what I mean like you yeah. watch it and I was like this would make even now this story would be interesting about yeah. like, corruption in the police and how far they're pushed and Connery's brilliant in it he can really act he really can <laughs> act like and he's he, we forget that we think of the smirk and the yeah and, and all he's date but the thing what was it you told me about um, when he auditioned for um, James Bond someone watched him leaving and they said that he prowled like a panther yeah and he had a dangerous quality about him. Like, Joel Connery looked like he'd just start a fight with people. Yeah. There's a great story. Uh, before he became famous, he made a film in Hollywood with Lana Turner. And she was going out with this gangster at the time, whose name I, I can't remember, I'm afraid. Yeah. But um, the gangster turned up on set and was quite a fiery guy. And he was, like, getting up in Connery's face. What are you doing opposite my woman? And, stuff. and Connery just smacked him. <laughs> and he went down. Uh, so Connery is not the kind of guy you mess with, yeah. I think. But um, he, yeah, in Bond, I think at first they were wary of having him because they were like, well, he's just very working class and very rough and ill-mannered. Because he's supposed to be an aristocrat, not an aristocrat, but he's, he's a public school educated, yeah. and, you know, sort of like um, gentleman. Isn't and it? so they got him to hang around with people who taught him how to smoke a cigarette and yeah, how to yeah. drink properly and stuff. And so he learnt all that. But underneath um, there is this dangerous conversation. Yeah. And it definitely in the movie, and in the movie, like, he's got rid of the wig, so you can see he's actually got thin, thin hair. hair, he's got this really thick moustache that almost makes him look like an animal or something. Yeah, very he's very like, pale. He looks quite sick, like he hasn't seen the sun yeah. for quite some time. And I think the, like, the whole film, he, and he's got this sort of like weird, not shaky quality, but like everything's very fragile about him. Like, yeah. And he's, you can tell this incredibly hard exterior. He's almost... It's almost like a rotten piece of fruit inside, like everything's sort of rotten and fallen apart from years of exposure to these terrible things. And the film really revolves around three duologues, essentially. With Connery and yeah. his... Yeah, you can see it's very theatrical. Yeah. You can see, oh, okay, there's a lot of duologues. So here. there's a scene between him and his wife, who's quite well played by uh, Vivian, Vivian Merchant. Yes. Um, was she... The... Always on top of the research. Oh, hang on, I got it Wasn't here. she the first wife of Harold Pinter? She was. She married Harold Pinter. Yeah, yeah and yeah. so she was starred in a lot of his early plays. Yeah, she was in the Broadway production of Homecoming. She was... Uh, she was in Alfie. As well. oh, really? So she was quite, like, she was a known actor yeah. at the time. Uh, she's good in it, I think. She, again, she's got this difficult yes. role because essentially she's just playing, like... Their relationship's very interesting because it's not like he beats her or abuses her. He just doesn't... He doesn't even love her. He doesn't even like her. Well, he just very casually says these things of... Because he's just come back from the station having beaten the guy up. But they don't know if he's dead yet. They just know he's in a critical condition. And he comes home and says, I may have killed a man. And he's kind of sat there. And and she's in her dressing gown. It's the middle of the night, so she's not you know, all dolled up or anything. And then he just looks at her and says, oh, you're not pretty. What happened to you? And it's, it's like, a really, it's, it's a really devastating moment. moment. And she says, well, you're no oil painter. Yeah. And you're like, God, yeah, he does look rough. And the whole film actually has this rough quality about it. Like it's yeah. set in this really horrible suburb, not like an old suburb, but like one that had been built clearly post-war, yeah. 60s kind of thing. Concrete. Like, there's nothing, there's no pavements. It's all roads. There's nothing there. It's all concrete and very brutal. And yeah. like it's shot and everything is shot with this kind of half steel grey cloud over yeah. it and like um, and even the police station the the, the the main scenes are there it's not all like you normally see like there's 
you can see construction work going on through half-built windows and stuff. I was wondering, why was the station half-built? It must have been an artistic choice. Was it to, like, show maybe the fragility of his mind because the building yeah, isn't completely falling yeah, like, apart yeah exactly and you're like well maybe like it's out with the old and in with the new like he's very much an old school of detective detective sergeant you know like yeah. Barry Graff doesn't mind beating people up or getting rough to get his yeah. way kind of thing and like clearly a misogynist clearly a hard drinker like yeah. you get a sense that policing is changing with this um, so then there's that yes, scene that's the first then, one with his watch then there's the scene with the the chief of police essentially where they try and yes, work out Trevor that. Howard but that's He's, the weird uh, fucking scene. That one's really strange because it's clearly like an overnight scene. Yeah, I but think it's, it's meant to last several hours and there are dissolves. Yeah. But um, it starts to get a bit of a timeless quality. I think you're supposed to be getting in their heads because they're both getting frustrated as yes. they... Yes. And that's where it becomes more theatrical because it becomes less. It becomes a lot, lot less literal, doesn't it? Yeah. Like, it's much more metaphorical in yeah. a sense. It's not being literal. And then the last one is the is scene... It's a flashback. Oh wait, Trevor Howard was in Brief Encounter. Yes, he's the lead in Brief Encounter. Oh, he's so wonderful in Brief Encounter. So handsome in Brief Encounter as well. I know, he's, he's a lot older and haggard. Yeah, he looks he looks really haggard in I mean he's yeah. great in the part, but then and then as you said, the third The third part is the flashback to him and um I can't remember the name of the actor. The character is called uh, Kenneth Baxter and the, the actor is um da, 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 Ian Brennan. That's Ian it. Bannon, sorry. Ian Bannon, that's it. And he plays the the suspect yeah and they suspect and that's an interesting thing you you never actually find out for sure if he is or isn't yeah the and um, that doesn't matter actually because it's yeah. not about finding a criminal no it starts off as a hunt for a sex a sexual yeah. deviant and a pervert and a child rapist but yeah it becomes about a guy who basically and then it's more a character study and then what happens say. between the two men in the room is really fascinating and I don't really want to say what happens no it's, it's... there's a lot of ambiguity the, the first time I watched it I was quite young so I didn't pick up on a lot of stuff I was just trying to see what happened next but this time you see there's a lot of oh, does he mean what he's saying are they playing each other there what's going and on and it's very much a thing of like uh, uh, who's got the power in the room yeah. points almost it's like the Baxter character, who's the suspect, is almost interrogating Connery, and then yeah. it's sort of, and it's and it's really, what I like is it's these quite long shots, quite long wide shots, and you feel the space, and it feels. Some people would criticise it being theatrical. I actually quite like that because yeah. it just gives the dialogue space, and the dialogue itself is quite theatrical. It's quite heightened, yes. even though it's played quite naturalistically. It's quite heightened. Like, yeah, you know. there's a lot of bits where people talk over each other in broken sentences but it does feel kind of constructed yeah, yeah. and Sidney Lumet started in theatre yeah uh, and a lot of his early films were adaptations well, you look of at plays 12 Angry Men that's very yes. theatrical looking um, Long Day's Journey into Night yeah. he did yeah. all this kind of stuff so I think he probably felt quite comfortable with the that type of dialogue. Absolutely. And he'd worked with Connery before. They made like five films together. Yeah, yeah. He got um, on board, didn't he? He was like, do you want to come do that? I mean, clearly, what I find so funny about this is it should have, it should be a, a classic. Mm. But it was it completely tanked. It, yeah, like, it, it flopped. No one wanted to see James Bond dealing with, I mean, because also he's he's not like a particularly bright character. Normally your hero is meant to be, even if he's got flaws, he's the sharpest guy in the room. And actually there are moments where you're like, God, Connery's character is being played here and yeah. and he can't quite... You're seeing a man trying to... Str- he wants to talk about the stuff in his head. That's kind of the... Those are the painful moments. Like, he, his wife says, you know, you can tell me, talk to me. So he starts talking. Yeah. But he's describing... 
he kind of always goes into this stream of consciousness of all these vile things he's seen. And he sees the pain it's doing to her. She can't take it. And so he's almost angry with her for not being able to take it. Yeah. And so he gets more rough with her. And and then it happens later with the inspector when he's being interrogated. He tries to talk to him and... And it just constantly is frustrating. And he's this very macho figure, so the idea of being open about his feelings in that very yes, macho that environment. Like, there's, one, there's one really strange line. I remember when uh, they, take it, they find one of the kids to take, and they take him to hospital and he wants to get in the back of the ambulance to basically in, to in, try and get information out of her before she goes yeah. uh, into hospital because then they won't be able to do anything because obviously she'll be protected. And uh, they say to a female police officer, woman officer, go with them. And it was such a thing of like, Oh shit! It's a very male world. Like, yeah, completely. Like it was at a time when you had WPCs, women police constables. Like yeah. they weren't just police officers; they were women police officers. And it's yeah. that whole kind of world, and like you know, it's dirty pubs and like cigarette-stained ceilings. Yeah, it's and, all like, very grim. Yeah, and I think that he's been done in by that. And like, actually, you look at a lot of the costuming. The costumes are quite old-fashioned. Some of the outfits they wear. Yeah, he's like, got a weird kind of sheepskin coat. Yeah, he, he looks like a fucking farmer. <laughs> and then even, but like the police officers, the, the regular constables and whatnot, almost look like peelers. You know, Victorian bobbies kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, feels really old-fashioned in a weird way. But you've also got this modern suburban thing. So it's yeah. kind of like two worlds colliding, and there's a lot of tension in the movie, which is obviously making Connery snap. And yeah. um, it was yeah, and and off the back of the fact that no one wanted to see. To, you know, basically, James Bond, as you say, play a violent, alcoholic guy going into, like, my psychotic yeah, depression. falling apart. <laughs> they, the film tanked, and they cut the other film. So yeah. we never got Connery's Macbeth, which could have been great. Though, for me. <laughs> <laughs> I think he did play Macbeth once before, like, years, even before he Bond, was a, yes. like a TV version. Uh, it says here in the IMDb. Also, I think Polanski made a Macbeth. Around yeah, at the same that, time, so they were like, "Well, we he can't played Ma- he played Macbeth in a TV movie, yes." Right. And I think, yeah, they they basically went with kind of two, and he was like, "Fuck this shit! I'm just going to do Diamonds Forever and go back to my island, <laughs> go play some golf." But it was, I mean, what's amazing is it's 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 an interesting it's an interesting example of how um, almost audiences kind of aren't ready for really good stuff sometimes. Do you know what I mean? Because they're like, <laughs> your persona as a TV or a movie star is something you have to manage very carefully because someone yeah. like. Daniel Day-Lewis is very, very judicious. I really like Daniel Day-Lewis. Like yeah, has, but me too. He's very judicious about what he chooses and obviously he, he curates his appearance. Yeah. Whereas someone like Connery got stuck in this James Bond thing and James yeah. Bond is a poison chalice is the kind of thing. And the offense, I mean, like, if anyone's interested, the offense is really worth checking out. Like, Definitely. It's a really interesting film. I'd love to see an adaptation of it again. Like, I think a modern adaptation would be absolutely great. Like, absolutely, yeah. Um, I'd see the play, actually. I'd be interested to see how, uh, yeah, I wonder how that if, works. I wonder if it still works within a modern... Because it feels very much of a time. I wonder if it is a bit of a, yeah. a you know a museum piece where it would work. But it'd be, I think it was at the court. It was at the Royal Court originally. Oh, really? Yeah, it was there. Oh, okay. Um, so it's really, it's really, really worth checking out. Um, absolutely. But it is very... It's 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 quite dark. It's going to give you a side of Connery you didn't expect to see. I think that's the interesting thing because yeah. I think I think everyone would go, "Why aren't you doing the Untouchables?" It's his best drama. It's like I, he's it's quite silly in the Untouchables. <laughs> sort of turns up and goes, oh, "Yes, I'm an Irish cop." <laughs> and you're like you. Uh, he pulls a knife. You pull a gun. <laughs> you send one of yours to the hospital. You send one of his to the morgue. That's the Chicago yeah. way. But that's what's interesting when you compare <laughs> his cop in that to this in the Untouchables. He's got this sort of. The Untouchables is quite cartoony and it's almost like... Yeah, it's great fun. I love the Untouchables. And it's, but it's like this police serials of the 1930s. Like, yeah. nah, see, I'm going to get you, buddy. Nah. <laughs> like, those radio dramas. Which this is fucking grim and gritty. And the fact it's about a guy who rapes children 
Yes. To start your story, and then it goes into a guy who's basically collapsing under 20 years of what yeah. he's done on the job. Especially these days, with like Utree and all that. Yeah, and it really just, it oh resonates God. in a really, really strong way. Definitely worth a watch. Now, Sasha, I've got a surprise for you. Oh. It's a competition. Uh-oh. It, this is <laughs> the... What do, I, uh, what do I win? This is Spot the Connery. <laughs> So you can play. How could you miss me? You can play this along at home, listeners. Um, I've got a number of quotes from Sean Connery movies, and you've got to tell me as quickly as possible. The Nims Bond, James Bond. Ah, uh, uh, shit it! You've got to tell me as quickly as possible which film they're from. Oh Christ! Okay, okay. you ready? So they start okay. easy, and they get a little difficult. And to make this uh, even more fun, I'm going to do it in my Sean best Sean Connery. <laughs> And you're going to do your best short color as well. You don't have to. I'm definitely doing it. Okay. So ready for... Are you ready to play Spot the Sean? <laughs> I was not... I genuinely was not expecting this. Okay. Go for it. Go. Okay. And putting it on the clock. Start the clock. Your best. Losers do their best. <laughs> Winners go home and fuck the prom queen. The Rock. He pulls a knife. You pull a gun. <laughs> the Untouchable. Spanish. I'm Egyptian. <laughs> Highlander. I will not allow this wedding to proceed unless I am allowed to give the bride away. <laughs> um, uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Kill him! Destroy the tabernacle! <laughs> I suddenly remembered my Charlemagne. Let my armies be the rocks and the trees and the birds in the sky. Is that Highlander again? No, it's not. Oh, no, uh... eh, time's up. Um, Indiana Jones, The Last Crusade. Uh... Next one. <laughs> it reminds me of the heady days of Sputnik and Yuri Gagarin when the world trembled at the sound of our rocket. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel I should know this. That, that's, that's not the Avengers, is it? Hunt for Red October. Oh. And last one. I merely chewed in self-defense, but I never swallowed. Time's up. Dragonheart. Ah, so in uh, one minute and twenty seconds, you got one, two, three, four, <laughs> five, so sorry, Sean. six out of nine. Six out of oh, nine. There was some, there were some tough ones at the I've end. I've never there. seen the Hunt for Red October. I'll uh, I'll confess. I did have to Google a couple of those. But my favourite one is. I think. What is your favourite Connery quote? Mine is definitely. I suddenly remembered my Charlemagne. Because it's the bit. Do you remember in Last Crusade when they're being chased by the German planes through the sky? Yes. The, the, the planes are after them and they're in the motorcycle. And then to, to get the plane to crash, he gets his umbrella out and goes, duk, 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 and all the birds who fly, fly up, up and then go into the engines and it, it yeah. crashes. Um, and I love that because he hates guns. Like, he's brilliant in that film. He's so funny and so good. He's fantastic. He was only eight years older than Harrison Ford. He doesn't look like He looks like so much older though. I know. So what's your favourite Connery quote? Is it, <laughs> is it, he pulls a knife, you pull a gun? That's kind of the classic one, but um, I mean, anything from Zardoz would be... I tried especially. Googling Zardoz quotes and I gave up because I was just like, fuck, this is insane. Or well, I think, actually, I know what your favourite quote is earlier because we did it. Come rain or shine, all is mine! Which leads us on to today's terrible movie. Uh, we're looking at... The Avengers, the, the, Avengers. the 1998 film uh, based on the British television series from the 1960s. Um, shall I intro this one? So, <laughs> good luck. Good luck. <laughs> so those of you who don't know, uh, The Avengers uh, was a television show starring Patrick McNee and uh, various uh, other actors, but most famously um, 
a Diana Rigg as Emma Peel. Also had Anna Blackman, Joanna Lumley as well, the new Avengers. Yeah, originally it was two guys and it was called the Avengers because in the first episode they avenged the death of the yes. wife of the other guy. And John Steed was a sort of minor character. Who yes. Came, but he became... He became quite big. Yeah. And so Anna Blackman for a while, yeah. then uh, Diana Rigg. And it was a fantastic TV show. I absolutely loved the Avengers. Yeah. It was very much at the point of like British psychedelic television yeah, so swinging like, 60s yeah exactly swinging 60s so the Avengers and the Prisoner are two prime examples yes. of like really bonkers television where it wasn't necessarily about plot per se but it was about like <laughs> not a coherent plot not a coherent or very silly <laughs> strange things yeah you know? and like weird and wacky kind of very colourful very technicolour very hip daddy-o great costumes great cars and, and Patrick McNee and Diana Rigg had incredible chemistry yeah like, the apps, and Diana Rigg was Brilliant character, sexy as hell, capable, strong, yeah. you know, like really great. And Patrick Winnie was just a charming gentleman type, yeah. like, and you know, he was like, John Steed was the name of his character in reference to the sort of the knight thing about, you know, and his armour was like a Savile Row suit and a yes. bowler hat, and his weapon was an umbrella. Um, and brilliant, brilliant um, TV show. It's um, great. They're probably on YouTube, but I know they get shown on. Um... They're constantly well, on uh, I w- TV. I remember I first started watching it when this film came out because they rebroadcast them on oh, I um, see. Bravo, I think, back okay. in the day. And I got really into the TV series before the film came along. And then the film came along and it is famously one of the worst films ever. <laughs> so in this version, uh, Ray Fiennes plays uh, John Steed, Uma Thurman plays Dr. Emma Peel, uh, and they work for the Ministry, which is a sort of secret, um, sort of MI6 style secret service. Yeah. Um, and they basically go up against uh, a character played by Sir Sean Connery. <laughs> of course. Playing Sir August de Winter, a mad scientist bent on controlling the world's weather. Um, <laughs> yes, that's right. That is the weather. The weather. The, which, which works, because those are what the TV shows were yeah, like. They're very the silly of... things. It was like, you know, um, people would like, I don't know... Uh, try and control the weather or, you know, like send out killer toys as assassination things or like, yeah. uh, you know, um, brainwash people to try and revert them back to the point when they were childhood, you know, children yeah. and things it like that. It was all weird, wacky, bunker stuff. Yeah. Works brilliantly on 60 psychedelic television. Doesn't work on film. So, no. The film has a very, very, uh, it, it makes no sense. I think the first thing we can say about <laughs> it is it's... Don't try to follow the plot. No plot working whatsoever. I mean, like, it's so... Because famously, the original cut, so the director, Jerem, uh, Jeremiah Chech, uh, Chechik, did a two-hour cut uh, that they did a test, test screening for. And the audiences didn't like it, so the studio, I think it was Universal, uh, took, it from him, took it from him and uh, did uh, their own cut. 90, 89 minutes. It doesn't even make the 90-minute mark. <laughs> so they cut more it was than a quarter Brothers. of this was, film. Yeah, they cut a quarter, like, and just completely no idea what the story is it makes no sense things happen things that happen in the trailer aren't in the film there's all these ideas introduced (laughs) it's completely it makes no sense characters appear out of nowhere it's absolutely bonkers yeah um and some of the things that happens there's a bit for example where Sean Connery and his bad guys meet to discuss their for their um, their organisation they have a board meeting Broly (laughs) they have board meetings but to disguise themselves they're all dressed as fucking teddy bears (laughs) So that's Sean Connery, one of the great Hollywood film stars, dressed as a fucking teddy bear, explaining his mad plot to take over the weather of the world. Oh, God. And then there's a bit where Uma Thurman fights a clone of herself. 
Yeah, that's never explained. Never explained. Never explained. Um, uh, and Connery's kind of obsessed with her. And oh god, yeah, and the most rapey that Connery's ever been. I, <laughs> I, I put down some amazing lines in the film. One of them was. Um, Oh, I'm going to get them up on my phone in a minute. But, like, it's the, it's, he's got such a... Sl- Connery is fucking sleazy in it this is, movie. It is, yes. Because he is someone who accesses sleazy and misogynist <laughs> very easily. Like in Marnie. Have you ever seen Marnie? Oh, yeah. I mean, literally a rapist. There is either, he rapes like, his wife because she won't sleep with him and it's to try and break her mental... Yeah, I, I mean, it's a fucked up movie. There's good elements to that film, but that movie is fucked. But, yeah, he accesses all of that. So, um, uh, at the beginning of the film, John Steed is... Uh, and Uma Thurman... And Emma Peel have sent off to. to well, they haven't met in this version. They don't know each other. This is a kind of and like origin story. Yes. And the problem is there is zero fucking chemistry between the two leads. And Uma Thurman is a good foot taller than Ray Fiennes. <laughs> yes, she's a bit of a giant. Though. Like a good foot. Um, it is a. It, that some of the and it's all like double entendres like um, nice shot Mrs. Peel oh I always get my aim oh do you now and <laughs> it's like a little that. bit carry on oh, it's very easy it's like carry on and um, the whole and they're obsessed with tea they're it's always it's a fetish it's, and it, but it's like oh we, we, we're saying this from in Britain and Britain the, the Brits they love their tea we gotta get tea back in there you know <laughs> imagine some fucking executive talking about it yeah. did you also notice there were no extras in the movie <laughs> That's a very good point. I hadn't noticed. That, it's a very depopulated world. It is something that's kind of... The TV series had that. It had quite a cold, empty world. Yeah. It was almost like a film set. You could see the sets in the world of the Avengers. But in this, it just looks really cheap. It just looks really cheap. Okay, so these are some of the uh, amazing lines that Sean Connery came out with in the film. <laughs> oh, uh, where are we? Okay, um, this is my favourite one. So when, she, when Uma Thurman first meets Sean Connery, they're in a hot house in his enormous um, mansion which is also like an M.C. Escher painting because like rooms lead back into rooms yes, and that's like very random <laughs> it's totally true um, and they meet and he goes they're in a hot house which has got rain falling from the ceiling to, to wet to water the plants and Sean Connery goes one should never fear being wet <laughs> <laughs> seconds later shows Emma Peel this very phallic looking rare orchid that he is genetically engineered and goes touch it Dr. Peel Please, touch it. <laughs> and you're like, oh, oh, oh. very uncomfortable. Isn't there a line about spooning? This is my very, this is my very <laughs> favourite line. Um, she, he's so he, Emma Peel has tried to. They tried to break into his house through a lawn through a a, a, a lawn maze. Yes, like The Shining, like, yeah, not scary. Not scary at all. <laughs> and how they got that, no idea, because the, the editor <laughs> hasn't put together a good cut. So basically, Emma Peel gets. Suck down some trapdoor in the maze, and then she wakes yes. up and she's being brainwashed with some machine machine that looks like a sort of kaleidoscope going in front of her eyes. And Sean Connery whispering to her in his best Sean Connery voice, and and he's like, "It'll be just the two of us, Doctor Peel." And she goes, "Just the two of us," in the worst English accent ever. And he goes, "Yes, the two of us, like spoons in a drawer." I, 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 I have never heard that phrase. I literally have. It doesn't even quite make sense. It's it's baffling. The whole film is baffling. And the other way you know it's a bad movie, sign of a bad movie, Eddie Izzard. <laughs> yeah, so he's a henchman working for Connery, and he has no. Apparently, Izzard said that. Like, he was like, D- don't give me any lines. He's more creepy that way. 
He does have one line at the end, which I... As they I recall, dub in. Which is... It's definitely not his voice, isn't it? Shit. He's like, <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> gets, That's his one line. He gets killed by Emma Peel. He's, I love Eddie Izzard. Like, he's one of the best... Com- he's, like, absolutely he's brilliant. incredible. And he's comedian. so driven. Uh, like, yeah. He achieves some... He's done, like, 100 marathons in 10 yeah. days or something. He's not an actor. He's, not, he's a good stage actor. I've seen him on stage twice, and he works well on stage. Really? Because he feeds off a live audience. Okay. But on film, he just doesn't quite... Get, it's like, tricky. I, I think it's just probably very difficult to cast him. Yeah. If you've got him in the right role. But I, I haven't seen a lot of his. I mean, <laughs> for me, if Eddie Izzard's in a film, it's a sign of a bad film. But for me, it's <laughs> don't go and see that film. And I love Eddie Izzard. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, I did see this in the cinema with my parents. Because we all, before the film came out, we all loved the, the TV, TV show. show. My parents watched it when it was originally in broadcast. the 60s. Yeah. Amazing soundtrack um, as well. I know. Brilliant da, theme too. Da, 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 da. I mean, it sounds a bit of Matt listeners. <laughs> just, yeah, just look it up. But, um, yeah, so we went to the cinema very excited, and uh, we were all bitterly disappointed. I, but I have to say... You kind of like it, don't I you? I kind of enjoy In the same way, like, we both enjoy the island of Dr. Moreau. Oh, like, yeah, I think... It's, it's just a camp, terrible piece of... You know, it's something that's gone wrong, but in an entertaining, oh, technicoloured mess. You're absolutely right. They, mess. they are both perfect examples of studios getting too throwing too much money at a project, the project yeah. not having a clear vision, and then trying to clean it up, and it failing miserably. I th- yeah, I, th- I, th- I think it's that problem, because obviously a lot of money must have gone into this film. And, yes. And, like, stu- and I, you know, I, I can understand the thinking behind it when that much money's involved. Or, like, you, you know, when, when you write a play, yeah. you then have to hand it over to the director and the actors, and you might have some input, but in a way it's like... It's you have to trust those people, yeah. yeah. And studios, you know, really need to be like, okay, so we've given it to these people and we're just going to have to hope something good comes out of it. But they just, you know, interfere and, and it's, it's, it's a big mess. But the thing is, I think the reason I'm forgiving of it is, I'm not going to say it's a good Avengers film, but if you watch the Avengers TV show and you like that, you, you don't watch it for the story. The stories are irrelevant. They're so... Silly, you're watching it for the playfulness and but, the craziness. But for me, the problem is that there is no... The, the, uh, but also the characters, because John Stephen yeah, and Appeal the, are fantastic. The, the, the essence of it. chemistry and, like, that's completely missing in this movie. Actually, a problem with the movie, spoiler alert, in this film, not only do they meet, but they end up actually falling in love, uh, don't they? And they kiss. And they I, th- kiss. I think in the original cut of this film, it was going to start with Emma Peel with her husband... And you see something and, and, and the husband dies. Because she's always called Mrs. P. Yes, because in the TV show, her husband is missing in action. He's a test pilot or something. And he it? comes back in the very last... So there's always been this chemistry between Steed and Mrs. Peel, but it never... They never do anything. And then in the last the episode... You can't have... You, it's like... Uh, the like, will they, won't they? As the, soon as like it's resolved. Moonlighting with Sybil Shepherd and uh, Bruce Willis. As soon as yes. it's resolved, it stops being interesting. Or Frasier. Niles and, um, and uh, Daphne. Daphne, yeah. Yeah. As soon as it's resolved, it stops being interesting. Absolutely. And apparently, I haven't seen the last episode of the TV show, but apparently you, you don't see Mr. Peel. You see Mrs. Peel get in the car and drive off, and you see him from behind, and he looks... Well, it, it was Patrick McNee playing it. Yeah. He looks the same same suit as John Steed, hat. yeah. So you're like, oh, it could have been... Um, it could have been Steve. Yeah, it's, it could have been Steve. And, so and, and that's the kind of... That kind of unfor- and it's the charm of that kind of, like... It, Never, it was never meant to be, but it could have been. Yeah. Like, and there's a kind of nice quality. I don't quite know how to put it, but it's not like 
through the TV show, they're frustrated and like, oh, will they? It's like they've both accepted it and they yeah. both know, oh, if things were different, we could be together because you're charming and I'm charming and we're saving both the world and having tea. But, you know, that's fine. We can but be it, friends. But and it works and it's TV, just really light and fun. It works in fun. the TV show and it doesn't in the film because the film is just so bloated, isn't it? Like, it it's really awful. It lacks that charm because the TV show had a bit of a crap budget and it was more about the idea. It was about the ideas yes. rather than, as you said, the wacky, bonkers ideas rather than the execution of it. And this film has this enormous budget and it looks terrible like it really special effects are, special effects uh, are abyss I love the um, oh what's it god there's a bit where they have to cross the water to get to the final big base for the final and they're in the... these enormous zorbs yeah these they look like, like hamsters in these yeah. big giant balls and they're just walking along looking awfully cool and charming and it's just I mean there are a couple of sequences I like when you very first meet Steed he's um he stood outside in a kind of um, typical English country village like yeah, something yeah. up Downton Abbey and um, and a flower pot falls from above and he steps aside and it smashes and then he's walking along and suddenly the milkman attacks him and he's fighting and then them. some mechanics come yes. at him and like you know All someone's got a gun and like yeah and it's and it's, it's a testing of, ground isn't yeah, it like it's, it's a training um, ground yeah and and it's it's quite good I I quite enjoyed it and he has a boss played by Jim Broadbent and his code name is Mother and then Father's played by Fiona Shaw yeah uh, he's a, blind there's a really <laughs> weird scene when blind Fiona Shaw is playing Sean Connery at croquet yeah and you're like what is happening in this movie but it's the, the moments like that I like I think that could literally come from the TV show it's great it's just the like you say the essence of it is the the magic between those two characters yeah. and there just isn't there's none there, at there all. isn't any and, at all and the magic between Uma Thurman and Sean Connery is distinctly rapey and, and also he's got a wig and it's certainly not one of his best wig. I mean it's not Zara's oh when he <laughs> turns up in the uh, council what's essentially the UN in his enormous Scottish Paraphernalia. Oh, yes. Well, and then he basically is there to sell weather. He's like, you have to buy weather for me. And he's like, well, millions will die. They'll drown, burn, freeze. <laughs> it's a proper Doctor Evil. Yeah, right? it's mad. You're like, this film is so silly. Not, and not enjoyable. I mean, like, not, not deliberately enjoyably. Not kind of like tongue-in-cheek fun. It's just stupid. And I mean, it's. I don't, I don't ever want to see it again. <laughs> But if, if like I was with some friends and it was on telly and so I oh come on let's yeah then I'd be like okay no, well I'll, get, I'll get a couple of drinks. The bit when they know. get attacked by a flock of robotic killer wasps. Yeah. Eddie Izzard, <laughs> Eddie Izzard is chasing. He's got this weird a, remote control. Yeah, he's in an old thing. Mini Cooper with a check. Well, do you know what? It's funny. When I was a kid, I used to. I, when I can't sleep, I, I have a nighttime book, which is basically like the book that I read when I can't sleep. And okay. for me, yeah, like it's always changed. But it used to be uh, Eddie Izzard's biography. It was a sort of biography interviews kind of book. And I was reading a chapter about... I remember really distinctly reading a chapter about him talking about the Avengers film. And he's saying, oh, it's great. I get to chase Uber Thurman and Ray Fines with killer bees. And I was like, I can't wait to see this. (laughs) I'm covered in bees. That was a thing. So he was loving it because of that. And then I saw it. I was like, this is... (laughs) Awful. It's terrible. Absolutely. I think Izzard only ag- agreed to it so he could work with Sean Connery because he does Sean Connery impressions yeah. in some of his stand-up. He was clearly having a laugh doing that because he didn't yeah. need to do the films because of his the money. He makes great yeah. a great career in comedy. <laughs> um, uh, it's it's. Would you recommend it as a film? Like honestly, I no. no I, it's it's not a great film. It's it's not even. It's, it's, it's not even so bad. It's not... Some of the other films we've had, like The Island of Dr. Moreau, The Happening, Diana, films like that, yeah. or, or Birdemic, the, these kind of films... Compellingly... Compellingly awful. And you have to watch it with someone else so you can turn and look at each other and yeah. be like, am, am I dreaming this or is this? <laughs> uh, 
Um, unfortunately, the Avengers, it, it feels like it's on that path, but it's not. It hasn't quite crossed the line That's into hilarious. And I think, so I, if me, I never see it again, I I won't be upset. Me, Whereas, I mean, the main problem is like it's just a, it's a really great example of terrible storytelling. Like the story makes it's it all over the place. No sense. And um, it, what's so interesting is it's the classic thing of you make a film three times when you write it, when you direct it, and then when you edit it. And like basically, yeah. Uh, I can't remember who said that. It's quite famous. Sort of, you know, yeah, I've heard accent. variations on it. I know, I know a lot of them say like, um, or oh, the writing and the directing. You're that's you gathering the the marble from the quarry, and it's only when you're editing, editing it and chipping away that's when you see what film you've got, and that's why it can be so depressing because you're like, oh god. We just I, need I, a good I, editor. Yeah. Like, I mean, Scorsese yeah. famously worked with I forget her name now. He works with Thelma Shoemaker. And she is like uh, um, one that he trusts because I think most of her films are just Scorsese. Yeah. The first one she did was Raging Bull, and she got an Oscar, and she's won two more editing Oscars on his films. Yeah, yeah. And she was married to Michael Powell from Powell and Pressburger. That's how they yeah, met. Yeah, 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 um, And well, he's um, a massive Powell and Pressburger fan, isn't he? Yes, he, uh, like, I think he, um, he was one of the people who really tried to um, rebuild Powell's uh, reputation after yeah, yeah. Peeping Tom came out, which was kind of destroyed Powell. Everyone hated it and it was a flop. Yeah. It was a really good film. Watch that too. Again, but like The Offence, uh, a similar thing of like, it was people were not, because Powell, kind of ahead been, of its time. Powell had been making these really colourful, beautiful movies and yeah. then he did uh, serial, Tom, killer movie. serial killer movie, <laughs> yeah. voyeuristic serial killer film. Um, I think it's, um, but but one of the things Thelma Shoemaker has always said is like, yeah, I, I you know, I've won these Oscars and uh, I've had a very successful career, but that's partly because I work with Scorsese. Yeah, you, as an editor, you can only work with what you're given. Scorsese always gives you very good stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, whoever was given the job of editing the Avengers must have just been like, well, thank God it doesn't make sense. I don't know. I don't know who edited. Do you know what's interesting? I can do whatever. The director has gone on record to say, like, if they let him re-edit the film, he'll do it for free because he wants to get his um... <laughs> his vision. Is anyone yeah. really crying out for that movie though? In a way, I just want to know. I'd love to read the script and like know what it was supposed to be like. I, I think the beginning. She, so Mrs. Peel isn't a spy. She's working on the weather. She's a scientist. She's working yeah. on this Prospero project, which is and to basically improve weather. Yes. And then, then obviously, uh, Augusta Winter, Sean Connery's character, t- weaponizes it and yes. says, "Well, if I can make it shiny, I can also make it rain." <laughs> oh my god! Uh, and I think she's working with her husband and her brother, or her husband's brother, and they're both killed in an explosion at the start. And Connery has somehow made. An identical clone of Mrs. Peel. But it's never explained. Never explained never how explained. that comes about. Just turns up. Um, and she breaks into a facility and is caught on CCTV. So that's why the ministry sends Steed to meet Mrs. Peel. Because they're like, well, it's you. And she's like, no, 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 I'm innocent. You've got to clear your So that's name. how they yeah. meet. And, and so I mean, it is very cartoony and stupid. A, a bit like... I mean, the comics of the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen aren't stupid. But they are very silly and fun. They're like Alan Moore, but, but they're I not th- top I think quality hardcore the, Alan Moore this comics. This film doesn't... Um, what's the word? Isn't fun. It isn't fun. N- it's no. St- it, like, it, it has no fun to it, because most of the time you're just like... It, it's baffling. I mean, like it's almost like... It's baffling and intriguing, but not fun. It, 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 if you're into film and interested in how films are made, it's a fascinating little <laughs> lesson... Do you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's an interesting note in the yeah. history books. Um, I, yeah, I mean, probably... Like, I've always thought that was one of the things... 
I mean, we've, we've talked to people who worked in film. I, I would have thought, obviously, you watch good films that, you know, you watch Raging Bull to see how to use a camera and stuff, but surely you should also watch bad films to be like, well, this to is, understand why something doesn't work. So this is interesting. This is from the San Francisco Chronicle who warned against poor editing and directing in the original, when it originally, these original reviews. Because, okay, this, this is quite telling. There's some business involving a dead ringer for Emma going around causing trouble, and there's some mention of the word cloning. Then all the talk of that is dropped. Everything is dropped. After a slow opening, the 19-minute movie jolts into climax mode. What happened to the middle? Clearly, this wasn't just edited, but gutted. No doubt they did us all a favour, but it doesn't help. Instead of being just a bad picture, the missing middle makes the Avengers a bad and weird and strangely off picture. And I think that's the interesting thing. One example. There's a moment when Emma and Steed realise who the villain is. At first, they don't know. Next, they're in a titanic battle to the death. (laughs) At one point, Emma is shackled and floating around in a hot air balloon. I don't know how she got there. I must have blinked. (laughs) That's true. Just just stuff. It's true. I I think, like, it's, it's two things. It's the... The miscasting of Fines and Thurman, who just don't have that chemistry, that spark. But it's also, there isn't a solid foundation on which you can hang all these. Because, I mean, like the image, (laughs) I know it's weird that it's Connery, but the image of a meeting of like diabolical minds dressed in teddy bears, I can easily picture that in the TV version of The Avengers. It's that kind of thing. It would be really charming, but I think that's the thing. The TV show has this sort of low-budget charm. Yeah. And weirdness about it. Some of the plots were really simple. I remember one that was essentially just Mrs. Peel. It was a bit like an episode of The Prisoner. She wakes up in a castle. She's completely on her own. Doesn't know how she got there. And there are all these... Someone's playing all these theatrical tricks. And you don't know who it is. Yeah, and they yeah. keep playing these records. This, this one song on vinyl records. And um, lots of weird tricks going on. And occasionally you cut to Steed working out where she is and trying to get there to help her. Yeah, yeah. But it's a really low-budget thing of just her walking around a set and it's literally a set she puts her hand through a wall by mistake at one point and, oh I want to see that I really and want, I, it's I, really creepy and you're like who is this it does make me want to go her? back and watch the the one I remember is about Steed and Peel going to check out um, reports of ghosts in a town and it turns out they're not ghosts they're um, <laughs> a group of scientists who have created an underground city where they plan to stay they plan to launch nuclear bombs and then stay underground and come out oh. whenever it's better. But the reason they no, look like ghosts, strange love. but they're so pale because they live underground. They all look like ghosts. <laughs> so uh, weird. It's so, it's, it is so bonkers. Um, but this film has like none of that kind of kooky charm. It just doesn't have and a it heart does have the foundation. And to come back to Connery as the rapiest Connery we've seen. Yeah, in we should be focusing time. more on Connery. His part was a lot smaller to begin with, and then when he became involved, yeah. He, he asked for... I, I read that he, um, obviously stars, they get heavily involved in their scripts. The only script he never asked for changes for was The Untouchables. Really? Um, in fact, no one did. Costner, no one. They were all like, you know, whatever you think of that film, it's very solid, well... It's the yeah. complete opposite of The Avengers. It's very well made, very well structured, yeah, carefully yeah. done. The, the script, the directing, everything clicks into place yeah. and it's really you entertaining. You, you couldn't mess with that because it's really, like, yeah. it's well made. Um, it's like a good piece of... It's a good piece of furniture. <laughs> apparently uh, David Mamet heard they were going to make this film and he just walked in and said well obviously you're, Did you're he going to yeah he wrote the script and he said um, well you're going to get me to write it and they were like um, well we uh, why and he went well who else are you going to get to do it because he's from Chicago and the film yeah, yeah, yeah. so he was like well who else 
And it's kind of that thing of, oh, you're an arrogant prick, but yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, and, David and Mamet's it. an arrogant prick? Who knew? I, I never knew that. He, he calls it a whores movie because he just did it. For, he got a stupid amount of money yeah. and that's the only reason. Good film, though. Like, it's I, great. I, it's I, great fun. But um, this, so Connery in this is at his weirdest, most kind of I think bloated. he's slightly miscast. I think he doesn't, he doesn't quite fit the role. Yeah. Um, he doesn't play this I mean, kind if, of diabolical... I mean, if the role was like touchy-feely sex offender, then like... It's, I it's, mean, he, does, it's... he doesn't get the campness right that's the big thing isn't it oh my god I totally forgot when you first see Connery he's playing an organ like the Phantom of the Opera and above the organ <laughs> is a portrait of, of a woman Peel. who looks exactly like Mrs. Peel yeah. never mentioned no idea he's not like There's you not even... are the spitting image of my long dead wife Pre- never mentioned never mentioned so bizarre his obsession with it. it just comes out of nowhere yeah um but i resigned myself to that you know anyone who's listening to yeah. that now who goes to watch it will know it doesn't make sense so i think you you just throw yourself into it and don't i don't care about the plot i just enjoyed the odd little moment like the teddy bears or the when you first meet steed stuff like that the but, teddy bears moment is apt sean connery dressed as a big black teddy bear i was like what is happening but that? he's the because they're all different colors there's yeah. a green one a pink one a yellow one and connery is the black one so I, I almost there. He's it the, made me think of uh, that bit in Reservoir Dogs where they um, that, give out the names. Yeah. Like, Why do I have me, Mister Pink? Because sounds like pussy. <laughs> yeah, Mister Brown sounds a bit like shit. <laughs> no, no, no. Get a bunch of guys together. They don't know. No one backs down. Everyone wants to be Mister Black. No, <laughs> <laughs> you're Mister Pink. And I uh, totally forgot that. About that was a brilliant. I might, watch, uh, I might rewatch Reservoir Dogs. I haven't seen it. Oh, it's a good, yeah, it's brilliant. <laughs> I, um, like the offence, a very theatrical. Yeah, I mean, it's been de- Michael Fassbender put it on as a play. He did. And played Mr. Pink when he was 18. It's been done all the time. Loads of Michael play versions. Michael, sexy Fassbender. Oh, you sexy, sexy uh, Fassbender. Take it off. What? Was, was, it, was it you who was telling me the story of Tom Hiddleston being taken round? Oh, no, I think it was... Um, what? It's a Fassbender's place. No, no, no. <laughs> What story is this? So apparently, um, oh God, now I'm suddenly trying to remember who told me this, and whoever it was probably went, for God's sake, don't tell this story. Well, what the hell? So Hiddleston, <laughs> Hiddleston, Hiddleston went to make a movie, and he obviously had a driver to drive him round. Yeah. And um, the driver said, I don't know what country he was from, but yeah. English wasn't his first language, and he was like, so you, you want to, you know, where do you want to go? Like a, a titty bar? And Hiddleston was saying... Um, Mm, no, I'm all right, thank you. I just want to go home and do some work on my script. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. Next day, picks him up from the set, same thing. Titty bar? No, I just want to go home. And this kept happening. And eventually, after a few days on set, one day, one of the, uh, I don't know, assistant directors or whoever came up and said, So, Tom, how's it? Is everything okay? Any problems? Yeah, and he went, Yeah, it's all good. But um, the driver keeps asking if he wants to take me to a titty bar. And I, I'm not, I mean, what's that all about? And he went, Oh, yeah, that's because um, the last guy he. Was the driver for was uh, Fassbender. <laughs> <laughs> Enough said. <laughs> Show me uh, the ladies. <laughs> I'm sure he was researching for shame. I'm sure that's what he was doing. Yeah. Uh, Very good. So, um, so yes, yeah, sorry, go on. So, we've kind of covered, I think, the Avengers, <laughs> but I just wanted to finish. I wanted to yes. finish off on a little, um, a little quote from Sean Connery. Um, which is about him <laughs> retiring because he's not making films anymore. No, he he has properly retired. So this was a little quote from Connery. He goes, um, <clears throat> I have retired for good. It's been a bit rough since Christmas, but I'm perfectly okay and I feel well. <laughs> In fact, I'm working on a history book. 
What history book are you working on, Sean? I want to read that history book. Sean Connery's History of Scotland. And then the English scum came again. <laughs> and this one I, uh, I, I liked as well. Uh, what is it he said about James Bond? So he famously he said... He had mixed feelings about Bond. So he had two things about Bond. The first one he said was, um, uh, I never disliked Bond as some have thought. Creating a character like that does take a certain craft. It's simply natural to seek other roles. Then later he is quoted as saying, I've always hated that damn James Bond. I'd like to kill him. <laughs> Make up your fucking mind, Sean. Make up your fucking mind. Oh my goodness. Uh, I think people underestimate like how much he was interested in acting, though. Yeah. So, like, uh, I think despite his pr- pr- uh, prodigious ego... <laughs> He was. He could be a good actor. Yeah, he really pushed himself. And tr- like, so we talked about Sidney Lumet. Uh, he's he's written a really good, really interesting book called Making Movies. Yeah, where he takes you through the process, and and it's just an insight. And get a camera, shoot a film, edit the fucking film, ask her. <laughs> I have no idea if Lumet sounds like that, but I just he's ass- a New York boy, so I'm assuming uh, he's just kind of like, hey, how's it going? <laughs> Sounds like something on The Simpsons. <laughs> um, but he, he said, like, um, in the, in the read-throughs, you know, different stars have different ways. And Connery was one of the few people who didn't turn up with an entourage. And he would just bound in, shake your hand, and be like, Hi, Sidney, how are you? And then he'd just sit down and start work on his script. So really? He, he really, like, worked at it. It's yeah. just he made a lot, a lot, a lot of shit, shit films. Shit movies. But who hasn't? Uh, me, I've never made a shit film. <laughs> I've never, Me neither. I've never, we can honestly say we have not made... High five on that. <laughs> yes. Take that, Connery. <laughs> Take that to the fucking Bahamas. <laughs> well, uh, um, yes. thank you uh, again for joining us on Spoilers. Um, if you agree or disagree with our uh, Sean Connery thoughts, uh, feel free to email us at spoilersthepodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> or you can tweak, tweet us. Tweak us. You can tweak us. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> At podcast spoilers, it uh, it just leaves me to uh, thank you for listening. And my name is Tristan. My name is Shasha. <laughs> Thanks very much for listening. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. Sir Sean Connery performs dialogue from one of his lesser-known movies, Highlander 2, The Quickening. But on the contrary, Virginia, all the most beautiful women had dark hair. Helen of Troy, Cleopatra, Nefertiti, Joan of Arc, to name a few. In fact, it's well known that these dark-haired ladies like to shit on men's fishes. <laughs>